Hello, Air Warriors. Welcome to another great episode of Chevrons. Today, we have a chief roundtable, the three chiefs of the Massachusetts Air National Guard. We have Chief Master Sergeant Sean Sullivan, who is the, the Massachusetts Air National Guard State Command Chief. We have Chief Master Sergeant Christopher Hurl, who is the 102nd Intelligence Wing Command Chief. And we have Chief Master Sergeant Stephen Jeffers, who is the 104th Fighter Wing Command Chief. Welcome aboard, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Hey, so, as always, I love being on our Chevron's podcast. Uh, again, this is like the second time you've stuck me in the interviewee seat. I, I don't know if I like it. Yeah, well, you know... Uh, it's the best I could do. Sorry, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> We're all good. So, uh, you know, as you've alluded to in the past um, or earlier today, uh, you know, we've heard a lot from you, Chief. So I'm going to give the other two Chiefs the floor, uh, Chief uh, Hurl and Chief Jeffers. Uh, we'd like to learn a little bit about you and your background, your military story. Uh, Chief, uh, Chief Hurl, could you start us off? Sure. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, no. So uh, I've been in the 102nd since 1986. I started off working on uh, F-15s in the avionics, and I worked my way through all the different avionics shops. Uh, when we were bracked and we switched over to an intelligence wing, I became a geospatial analyst, and I worked my way through uh, the full motion video crews and the high altitude crews to uh, flight chief to uh, squadron chief, and then I came up to the wing. Uh, and I've been here for, uh, I've got about two years left, a little less than two years left, and loved every minute of it. That's awesome. Uh, Chief Jeffers. Oh, yeah, great uh, great to be here. Thanks uh, again. Hey, uh, tip the hat, uh, Tim, for the work you do to keep this thing going. It's amazing. Uh, I appreciate it. I listen it. to it uh, when we hit the gym. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, no, I'm not a big one for resumes, but we'll give you, I'll try to give you a speed pass. Uh, I'm a career defender uh, by trade, uh, 3P. Um, held every uh, position up the, the ladder, so to speak, to include fire team leader, take care of our small teams and our airmen there, uh, a flight chief, squad leader, uh, have deployed in leadership roles. Uh, then uh, did at about the E6 uh, time frame, I was E7 eligible, uh, did a stat tour and uh, returned to the state and uh, then led at the squadron level um, after another deployment to um, insecurity forces. Uh, got an opportunity to serve at the MSG level as well as a group uh, SEL, and then uh, finally here is the command chief. So uh, been awesome to see the perspective of uh, Karen Furman at each one of those levels, and uh, uh, interesting how times change. So uh, can't wait for this conversation. Let's go. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, so one of the reasons um, we're getting together, the, the timeliness of this is uh, – We've got a time conference coming up in uh, less than a couple of weeks. With that, uh, this is also an opportunity to talk about some of the great um, programs that the Air National Guard in Massachusetts has uh, afforded the enlisted members of the state. Uh, so we want to talk about the time conference a bit, but also some of the other uh, great programs that, uh, that you guys have put together collectively as a, a group of senior enlisted leaders uh, in the state. So... Uh, where do you want to start, Chief Sullivan? You want to start with the time conference that's coming up? Yeah, let's start with the time conference because, uh, you know, that, that, that's kind of pressing. And it, it leads into some goodness that I wanted to get out um, of, of how uh, we've been able to operate in the state to maximize our potential overall. So the time conference started uh, back in 2008. Seven, I believe, was the first time conference, and it started with a retired uh, our, our retired state command chief uh, McDonald was the one who put the time conference together, and his vision 
was having a forum for tech sergeants because tech sergeants are really the backbone when it comes to leadership uh, in the Air National Guard. Like if you think about it, you know, you have your strategic leaders um, at, you know, the officer level. You look at the enlisted leadership all the way down from chiefs all the way down to really, um, uh, you know, A1Cs and, and Airmen Basics are even leaders. So we're leaders at every level. But if you look at that core background, that that technical expert that is also responsible for leadership of small teams, that's the tech sergeant. They're, they're the foundation. And uh, that was uh, what, what uh, Chief, McDo- uh, Chief Rick McDonald uh, firmly believed. And I believe that philosophy too. I really feel that our tech sergeants are our most valuable leadership resource because that's where every the goodness is really, really happening. So he also noticed that there was a critical gap in professional development at that level. Uh, it, it, it's really from, in our opinion, it's really from the tech sergeant, that master sergeant level. There's, there's kind of like a, like a little bit of a gap. Once you make master sergeant, you start accelerating and getting more opportunities, more PME, it kind of picks up a little bit, but there, there's that gap. So that's what time was all about. Uh, and what time stands for is technical sergeants and mentoring enlisted. So kind of a mouthful there, um, but it, it, it is the point. It is a professional development course for technical sergeants to really expand their professional development. Now, the one thing that that as it's handed down through the different command chiefs, we've kind of kept that same flavor. But the one thing that we kind of did a little bit differently this year is to take it and find a single focal point. We, we decided that what do our technical sergeants need? You know, maintaining the, the theme and maintaining the uh, robustness of time with all the networking and all the other stuff that goes on, bringing in some guest speakers and talking about other key things. But what do we really need to focus on? And the thing we really need to focus on is what PME in general is starting to focus in on. And that is the, um, the M, okay? It, PM. E, M, military. We need to focus in on the military. We need to focus in on leadership. We need to focus in on empowering these tech sergeants to lead the way in the next fight. So what we did is we got together and kept some core curriculum. And what had generally happened with the time conference is the state command chief, it, it, it's, it's, it, is, it started with uh, uh, Chief McDonald that handed over to Chief O'Keefe. It's me. Next year, when I move on, it's going to hand over to the next uh, state command chief. So it's their it's their program. But the curriculum was always put together at that level. What we did is break down and empowered the two uh, um, command chiefs, so uh, Command Chief Hurl and Command Chief Jeffers, to put teams of SELs and other chiefs and senior enlisted together to develop the curriculum together. So that's where we kind of like changed the corner this year is they were empowered to fill in the gaps of the curriculum. They know it's important. Okay. Your, your SELs, your senior master sergeants, your master sergeants know where the gaps are, what the tech sergeants need. And we just filled in the, um, the training program with inputs from both wings. And I think that this year, is going to be a, a, a marquee trendsetter. Another thing about time is it's such a popular concept. It's been exported to at least 14 states that I know of. 
Um, so there's at least 14 traveling time conferences from between Texas, New York, New Jersey, um, all, all up and down the East Coast. So there's a, there, it, the philosophy remains the same, but each time conference is going to have its differences. And that's just how we set this one up. Um, and, and with that said, I'm going to hand it over to uh, the two wing command chiefs to talk about how they assembled their teams and some of the things that that are changing it. Oh, and one other thing I wanted to point out about the time conference is it's not just a state event. We have participation from nine states. At this time conference, we have active duty participation, first Air Force, nine different states uh, across uh, uh, EFAC Region 1. Uh, we have the Air Reserve component. And we are also going to be have representation from our state partnership program uh, partners, uh, Kenya and Paraguay. Oh, cool. So it's truly a, a marquee event for networking yeah. and, and, and building frames. So that was a little long winded, but I wanted people to understand the history, where it came from and where we are now and how taking it and empowering with empower with empowerment being you know the message for the overall you know uh, military warrior and um, war ethos and empowerment, I handed it off to the command chiefs and the curriculum looks incredible. I'm really excited about this one. Well, that uh, leads me into uh, my second question uh, with the decentralization of the planning of the time conference, being that the two wings are. You probably can't get two more diverse missions than air superiority and uh, ISR. Um, so, do the two the two wings um, your inputs from your senior enlisted leaders in the wings? Did it create different flavors of of the planning? Like, is it like you know we talking about a little bit of different? Uh, Can I take that one too? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, I in the big picture, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Right, because we all need, have an understanding that what makes our uh, military so great is that we take time to deliberately develop our airmen right. in a professional way. Sure, and a lot of those themes are consistent no matter what your mission is. Right. So I think the 104th and us, we had a really good synergy as we were building this uh, out, and we realized that we wanted to, uh, you know, work on empowered airmen as kind of our theme. Right. And it was very easy for us to kind of like walk down the list of of what we thought uh, that you know, that they would benefit from, from hearing from us or from hearing from the experts. And so, uh, you know, I won't speak for you, Chief Jeffers, but I thought it went very well. We had a couple of uh, meetings where a number of our SELs and their SELs got together, and uh, I thought it was very fruitful. Chief Jeffers? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll pile on. I don't disagree with anything uh, there for sure. I think, uh, I think what's remarkable uh tim thanks for the tip in the hat like we've got very different mission sets but we're we're, we're talking about airmen right. right yeah and uh you know so it's it really uh not not accidental but uh you know as, as we all took new seats uh you know within the past few years uh we've we've deliberately invested in both wings to help understand and identify key leaders of both wings and foster those strong relationships and I, I think what um you know part of the time conference that's not a written rule but i think uh as most of us have moved through our careers networking opportunities we have we, we definitely want to make sure that uh, generally generationally that uh we have those uh you know opportunities we reinforce the opportunities to build those relationships and it really has made i you know my personal in my humble opinion other than a stat tour that uh, mass has been my my career. Uh, it's probably the best relationships that I've seen between headquarters 
uh, and our sister unit uh, th- th- in my entire career. So it, it really wasn't difficult. And uh, I, I guess remarkably, uh, on the contrary to the disparate missions, uh, I, I thought that we achieved a, a large amount of agreement in terms of uh, you know topics and, and how we wanted things to flow and how to engage our airmen in a productive manner. Over. Fantastic, fantastic. I um, you know the, the the Airman's Creed is the same. It's shared regardless of your mission or your job. Uh, the the profession of arms is the same. The PME is the same. Um, it, regardless of, of what job individuals do, uh, we're all airmen, right? Absolutely. And, and, and one thing I have to say is, um, uh, retired command chief Dubuque summed it up better than anybody when we were walking around together when I was his first sergeant and he was like, Hey, what are you doing? And airmen would turn around and go, Oh, I'm just a, or I'm just a, and I remember we were walking away and he was like, you know, cause I hate that. You know, everybody identifies themselves as, you know, I'm just a services troop or I'm just a, you know, security force guy. I'm just, they're all air warriors. I'm not going to accept this anymore. And that's when he started that philosophy of, you know, you know you're not just a anything when you're in the Air Force. You are all air warriors. That's it. Don't matter what, what your AFSC does not matter. We are not defined by AFSC. We are defined by the fact that we are part of the tribe of air warriors in the Massachusetts Air National Guard or whatever affiliation you have. We're all air warriors. That's what he tried to get across. And it was funny because both Chief Hurl and Chief Jeffers have that exact same philosophy walking in the door as command chiefs. So the synergy when we got put into our seats, which was within like three months of each other, it was kind of like, you know, one, two, three, uh, you know, I, I, I took over a couple months later, um, Chief Hurl took over in the 102nd, and I think it was just shortly after that, Chief Jeffers took over. So we all kind of, you know, came in at the same time, all having that same philosophy. So, like, we we really hit the ground running, and um, I'm, I'm going to step away and let them talk, but I could not be more proud of my teammates that I have at the command level. They make my job so easy because when you think about it in, in respect – what is the state command chief's job? He's a relationship builder and an influencer. That, that, that's it. I, I, they have the hard jobs. They are running wing and they have the hard jobs. And sometimes, you know, it, it, it's hard to build that synergy. This is the easiest job I've ever had and the greatest, the most rewarded because of my teammates. You know, the, the two, two best, you know, examples of senior enlisted leadership in both wings. I'm just, I'm just so happy to have them. And they've built such great benches the talent that they are developing within the wings is the biggest reason I feel that I can retire soon um, because it, it's like, like I got to get out of the way for all these people that are coming up that they've developed. It's just, it's just great to, great to be, uh, you know, you know, be with these two warriors. It's just, just awesome. Thanks for those kind words, Chief Sullivan, but don't sell yourself short, right? Both wings have had a lot of challenges over the past uh uh, recent past and uh, you've been a, a huge support to us so and a great mentor and guidance works both ways my friend so speaking of challenges um, I'm interested to know what does it take what are some of the challenges in putting a program like time together and and, and having it go off as successfully as it does every year that it's that it's uh it's run I'm just gonna do like just a quick snippet on my end because I want uh you know, the, the real engineers behind this, uh, you know, Chief Hurl and, and Chief Jeffers um, on, on 
I had the benefit of being part of every time conference that we've had so far, either as a student or an assistant or a helper, an instructor, you know, all through the various, except for when, when I was deployed. So I've gotten to see the full gambit. Um, and I was dreading when it was my turn because I saw how much heavy lifting was involved, but my team was empowered and they took care of it. Um, you know, uh, uh, Tech Sergeant Michelle Princey and uh, Mass Sergeant Lindsey Watson are my my assistants. They took a big role, and then to the wings, they 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 orchestrated ninety nine percent of it. So on to you, gents. I mean, I, I can talk a little bit if, if on uh, you know uh, my my first my first sort of engagement, other than than uh, you know being part of uh, the audience. Uh, and I think uh, one of the primary roles that I, I feel like I serve in the wing is to be the sort of chief translator, right? Um, national defense strategy, national security strategy, ACE, MCA, strategic thinking, right? And then to, to translate that to to this this audience, and then more importantly, uh, you know, down to our airmen where the the boots are warm out on the fly line, um, and and we deliberately looked at some of those big rocks and, and then had to, uh, you know, form a way to communicate that, right. Which, which is always can be a struggle. Um, and, you know, looking at the wide range of capacity that our urban have, right. And how people interpret here and, uh, understand, uh, complex thoughts. I think that's what we do, uh, as chiefs, whether you're in a command billet or not, right. Um, you know, quite simply, Hey, Hey, bud. This this is what this means to you, right? And and that's that's what you know gets lost through translation. You know, through uh, our uh, standard chain of command. I'm air quoting here. You can't see me, but um, you know, uh, the command and control structure that our legacy uh, Air Force has built. And I think one of the challenges that Chief Brown has put out in front of us is uh, with mission command and and other things is to really. Um, do our very best to summarize and make these things make sense to our airmen um, so they can be effective in, in the next fight, right? Um, so, yes, the theme is empowerment because that is the most central sort of construct, and I, I think it fits well uh, for the follow-on conversations that we have. And, and I hope that um, the exposure during the time conference um, really is that you go do should be now – that was a line uh, supervisor slash leader uh, to do the same thing, right, and, and be able to help echo the translation um, coming from the Chief of Staff of the Air Force. Over. You, there are also other programs going on in the state. Uh, one of them is called FIRST. Uh, could could uh, someone explain that one to me? FIRST was um, uh, an idea that came about when uh, I started really increasing in my developmental stages, uh, really understanding joint, really understanding, you know, uh, a lot of the inner workings. And I realized it wasn't until I was a very senior master sergeant into my senior master sergeant time frame. And I'm like, you know what? We, we have to start thinking joint. We have to start forging inner service relationships. We have to start understanding strategic documentation like the national defense strategy, um, you know, national military strategy, you know, all this documentation and where the state falls into it at an early, early stage. And I remember thinking to myself, well, if I was ever king for a day, I'm going to set up a one day professional military event, make it fun um, and combine uh, Army and Air National Guard into something. And it would be targeted at the E4, E5 level. 
And that's where FIRST came from. So it's it's forging inner service relationships and strengthening teams is what the acronym means. Um, thank you, my former assistant, uh, retired Master Sergeant Shelly Muti. She put that together. I'm like, here's my concept. Where you want, you know, what should we call it? And she nailed it because that's what it is: forging inner service relationships and strengthening teams. And it's a one-day professional military event, and it starts with um, what we do is we get 12 soldiers, 12 airmen together. We group them into flights. Uh, each flight is going to have a question that they're going to have to answer at the end of the day. Uh, the day starts with just a short little, uh, you know, uh, uh, some uh, instruction about uh, the role of the Air National Guard in uh, in both the state and uh, federal missions. And um, the teams that get put together uh, network with each other before they even come on site. So they all know each other, what their jobs do. So we're already building that relationship and we split it up. So it's each team, there's nobody from the same wing or nobody from, from the same uh, army brigade. So it really meshes it up. And then we take them out, we get with, uh, re with um, uh, retired General uh, Kondrachuk. Um, he is a military historian and he takes us down the battle trail. And so we go right in Lexington and Concord and go right down the battle trail. And we'll talk about things like Merriam's Corner um, and other events that happen along the battle trail. And then that's when each team comes forward and talks about like, you know, we'll talk about like communication. How did the Minutemen communicate and what was done for assembly, you know, for their ranks and, you know, and how they deployed? OK, that's how it worked back then. How does it work now? What do we do as a guard for a state mission, for a federal mission? So it becomes thought provoking. So um, it was well received. We did it last year. It was watched. It was extremely, extremely well received. Uh, so we're putting another one on in October and it'll be uh, six members from each wing, uh, E4, E5. And then it'll be 12 soldiers uh, that will be picked by uh, um, uh Command Sergeant Major Pouillat, who is my counterpart on the Air Guard side, and we put it together and just do a really good joint thing, have a nice big pizza party at the end of it. And uh, so it's just a fun one day event to get our younger airmen thinking about jointness, thinking about to so start thinking about these things at their level so that as they advance, they can understand and apply them better uh, in a military sense and a developmental sense. So that's first in a nutshell. So being in Massachusetts, being in the Massachusetts National Guard, that that's quite a benefit of having all this history around us. I mean, it's to actually walk, you know, in the same footprints as those that came before us 200, 300 years ago. That's a, that's a real benefit of being here in the Massachusetts National Guard, I would say. It, it makes for a fun day. And every time that we do the event and we walk that bad, just, it's just like you, you always learn something new, see something new. And you think, like you said, Tim, you just think that, you know, you know th this all started 1776. I mean, it was, the, the militia was around, you know, a hundred years before that, but it all started, uh, you know, our, our first exposure, our, our, you know, to our road of independence, it all started right there in Lexington and Concord, right in that battle trail, you know, just breaking down the battle. It's, it's, it's pretty awe-inspiring. That's awesome. Uh, Chief Earl. So uh, switching uh, topics slightly again, um, we were talking a couple few weeks ago and you had mentioned uh, a staff ride coming up. Um, what, what can you tell me about that? That's a, that's a state thing also, right? An overall state thing. 
So, you know, I'd like to backtrack a little bit, right? The, the, the Air Force gives, provides us a lot of PME yep. to help develop our airmen. And uh, I think it's all these additional efforts make a huge difference. Things like time first, the staff rides. Yeah. I just want to get that out there. That I, yeah. I, I, I look back on my career, and we didn't have really any of this when I was uh, – when I was coming up through the ranks, it was pretty much, for the most part, it was your PME and uh, check your box yeah. and that's it. And I think a lot of people have put a lot of time and effort into making a lot of different programs and a lot of different uh, events and, and educational experiences and symposiums and what, what, what you know, you name it, to try to get, uh, to try to do all those things that Chief Sullivan said to, right. to expand people's horizons, let them know how they fit in the big picture. Right. So the uh, Saratoga ride that's coming out is uh, to Syracuse. It's for senior enlisted. Uh, they have some senior enlisted mentors with them. And uh, I believe, Chief Sullivan, you could probably help me on this one. They tour a battle, another battlefield in New York, right? Yes. And, but it's uh, like I've been on some of those myself, and, and it's just uh, – it's enlightening to see what, you know, our ancestors went through and how they had to uh, go to war versus how we have to go to war. And I think it, uh, it, you know, it opens eyes for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think it's very beneficial to take that time uh, for those airmen That's to be able great. to participate. That's great. And I'm, I'm all for one. Uh, I'm, I'm all about an analogies. And, uh, yeah, I was listening to you just a minute ago when you're talking about, uh, you know, all these extra opportunities on top of the PME and the things that were you know, our airmen are required to do. Um, and it's kind of like when you buy a car and, you know, you could, you could either spend five or six years washing it once a month, or you could throw a little wax on it here and there. Right. And we, this is the wax on, uh, you know, preserving the, uh, preserving the paint, you know, uh, making sure that car sparkles five years down the road. Right. Anyways, I may cut that part out, but <laughs> anyways, uh, Chief Jeffers, uh, uh, do you have any uh, folks going to the Saratoga staff ride yourself? It's it, it's an awesome opportunity for yeah. for both wings to uh, sort of participate. Um, we do, and, and I think to pile on uh, to the conversation, I also have to you know we look at our formal roles as non commissioned officers, right? And we you know we've got our brand new you know brown book, but but one of the things that you know my, from my perspective is a non commissioned officer is primarily responsible for the well being of the enlisted corps, right? And and primarily their training. Right. And, and as we look at every level, uh, you know, the sort of the squatter level is, is there for that technical competence. Right. And as you move kind of up the chain, I think there's uh, to your wax analogy, that was good. Um, right. But it, it, it's we, we, we share a little bit different perspective on ensuring that we're getting um, every piece of those ALQs. Uh, answered. Um, and most of it, you know, really comes from some experience, right? I think uh, Chief Earl said it, the, these opportunities weren't around, right, all the time. Uh, and, you know, the structured Air National Guard developmental uh, scorecard, so to speak, uh, doesn't really, uh, it really is on us to fill in the gaps. You know, not everybody has the opportunity or the ability to do a stat tour and develop that way, um, you know, for family and status and, and their civilian occupations. So uh, I got to be honest with you, there's no there's no shortage of uh, opportunities for our airmen to engage and, and build their network uh, and, and sort of proverbial pull their head out of the sand and look a couple of ridgelines ahead, um, you know, get a different perspective on on uh, military service. Over. And it doesn't take a, a state level program or something like a time or a first to really do 
a lot of the developing of the airmen. A lot of it's being done at the wings. And I'm going to become the interviewer for a second. And I'm going to turn around and say, hey, um, both uh, Chief Hurl and Chief Jeffers, I know you guys got a ton of goodness going on for enlisted development and talent management. Why don't you cover what you guys are doing in both your wings and uh, you know, share with us some of the things that you're doing at, at the wing levels to develop your people? Well, that's uh, pretty wide open, right? I guess I'll go first. Um, I you can edit this out, Tim, uh, uh, but uh, Chief Hurl, how about we, we just stay in unit order and then we don't have awkward silence. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's been my um, – I've always really believed in the enlisted councils, right, uh, the top three council and the rising six council. And uh, during my tenure uh, leading up to becoming the wing command chief and then as the command chief, I've tried to – uh, support those councils, build those councils, empower those councils to do things for their airmen, right? And part of that is a lot of these uh, development uh, opportunities. For example, the top three council has an enlisted uh, force development committee, and that's their uh, their focus. And it's made up of volunteers of the top three ranks uh, of NCOs and that are eager to go and help work on enlisted force development projects. And they've had uh, some good successes. Um, and there, you know, for one thing, uh, you know, one example, we made a nice, uh, uh, it's going to sound silly, but we made a trifold that really kind of like breaks it, breaks a lot of the ALQs down for the airmen. And right. And we try to use that as a tool for messaging as we're out and about. Uh, we've been doing some talent vectoring. Uh, we asked uh, volunteers, you know, to sub from master to chief to put in their packages. Uh, and we kind of reviewed it and, and really sat down one on one with all the chiefs and kind of went over everything. And then we sat down with the individual and kind of helped steer them in the right direction. We, you know, things like uh, we have, uh, we've established a warrior flight for so to try to focus on some uh, physical fitness and some warrior skills. So, like, it's just a, um, it's a big, uh, you know, smorgasbord of effort. I always like to say many streams make a river. So a lot of uh, seemingly maybe small efforts, but by the time you get to the end, uh, it's a river for the airmen to uh, over. Why go? <laughs> go for it chief hey, I, hey, used, I used your word over i said <laughs> i know thank you i know i got i was actually caught off guard i didn't know an introduction there um yeah so i think from the you know 104th fighter wing you know perspective so c model f-15 very specific uh mission set um and some of the changes in the air force uh overarching about three years ago we started on some central uh ideas right and that's really you know threat-based uh, development and training, meaning, uh, you know, re reading and understanding uh, what uh, a fighter mission uh, could be expected to do and uh, assessing kind of how much time we had to uh, ensure our enlisted corps was prepared to, to meet that, right? Um, and to the level that made sense, right? It was great to have a bunch of experienced chiefs, but quite honestly, there's probably not a seat on the plane for, for me. So, um, you know, a couple of different non-standard, you know, initiatives, um, we, we developed, you know, an uh, attribute-based uh, leadership uh, guidelines that helped us look at our airmen. Uh, and that we rolled that out a couple of years prior to the ALQs, but they're very similar. There's 10 of them, and, and you know, they're, they're, they haven't gone away with the rollout of ALQs, but it, it, they're really very, very similar. Uh, so we're very fortunate that way to kind of shift modes um, and take the primacy of your AFSC um, 
as you know that is a driver, but that's not all, right? Uh, so we're going to get into this and in, in, uh, into the time conference. So I almost don't want to get too far deep into it, but but uh, across the entire enterprise, looking at the change in the Air Force and, and the expectations of our airmen, we focused a couple of different events. So how we how we review and how we discuss the talent in the wing was a major change. Uh, it was I think that was pretty unique, and I think uh, additionally. Uh, we rolled out uh, a forge event, and uh, forge events uh, were monthly, sometimes uh, biweekly, uh, and then now that we've settled into a quarterly battle rhythm, um, and and those events uh, put people in uncomfortable positions, and and uh, let them test their leadership abilities, a little bit of physical fitness, and kind of uh, you know be constructive about you know hey where where do I think I fell short, and it allows it a tremendous opportunity for for self awareness and uh, feedback uh, so that that has been a very successful um, initiative and it was very difficult to sustain so we're we're starting to transition to sustaining model um, so an expectation of the wing that that shall continue and then last thing I think from perspective about you know modifying the way that we, we knew that one of the things that our airmen weren't getting w- was consistent applicable feedback, right? And and I think Chief Sullivan, I don't want to steal his thunder, is going to get to this when we talk about, um, uh, maybe we talk about uh, our new uh, reviews. But you're outside of the structured system, but that we're actually talking to our and we're giving them applicable feedback. Um, that was a developmental undertaking that had to be um, sort of beating the drum and, and continuing that, that initiative um, post job boards, decorations boards, awards boards, uh, giving every opportunity we can to to help coach, guide, lead, mentor, train the next generation because uh, we're going to leave it behind, and I hope we leave it in a better position. Over. Well, I um, um, interesting thought uh, as I was listening to you, Chief Jeffers. Um, you, you just mentioned, you know, leaving it behind for the next uh, round of NCOs and senior NCOs that come up. Uh, question to all of you, uh, we, all four of us actually have been around, you know, these parts for quite some time, over 20 years, I would imagine for, for everybody. Um, my question to you being members of your wings and or the Massachusetts national guard for as long as you have, uh, looking at the perspective, uh, of, of that length of time, how much have, um, these, Things, these these uh, programs and, and the way airmen are uh, kind of mentored these days, how much has it changed the culture of the National Guard and the Air National Guard around here, uh, let's say over the last 15, 10, 5 years? I think, uh, I think it's been dramatic, a dramatic change, right? I know when I first came in, uh, right, you, you did what you did because you were told to do it. Exactly. Right? Right. And I think we are much more like... Uh, we spend a lot of time talking about the threats. I know Chief Jeffers mentioned it, right? But we spend a lot of time say, t- uh, working on our airmen and saying, hey, this is the threats you're likely to face. This is why we need to do this. This is why you need to be innovative or empowered because X, Y, or Z, uh, you know, th- these are the environments that we will be fighting in. And you need to be ready to fight in those environments. <clears throat> and I think, uh, you know, at least at the 102nd, for sure, we've definitely taken a lot of steps to try to, you know, advance uh, into that, to the thinking airman, to the empowered airman, right. to the uh, to that problem solver airman, 
right? And that, that innovative airman, right? We always talk about innovation, but that's why we need that kind of thing. And so, uh, I don't know, it's a, it's very different, I think, now than it was uh, when I came up. All the, all the young airmen are so smart, and they're so accomplished at such an early age. It's very impressive to see, and it's, uh, it's great to see, um, you know, how they can they can take a, tr- a job, a problem, and come to a solution, and they, and they get the support from their senior NCOs. They get the encouragement from that, and uh, I, that's what I like to see. I like to see uh, us operating that way over. It's kind of like a professionalizing in the force. It's uh, uh, Chief Jeffers, what have, what have you observed over the years um, and the changes? You know, it's funny, very similarly, uh, you know, we, we had back-to-back, you know, flying operations, you know, and, and I went through the, the last, you know, conversion cycle, um, but uh, very similar to, to Chief Hurl's comment, um, and I think it's succinctly defined, right, through the understanding of pushing uh, to a mission command structure. And really, when we will translate that, you know, at the time conference, but it really allowing and supporting our airmen to, um, you know, understand commander's intent and move out on that, right? And, you know, as a, as a career defender, I, I, I remark of how many folks would sit behind a radio and wait to be told what to do, right? And then if you looked at our experience during the global war on terror, and we expected E2s and E3s to make, like, life and death decisions without somebody telling them. So we weren't training uh, how we were fighting. So uh, I think culturally uh, I'm inspired to see opportunities for units to stretch the bounds of where they're developing their airmen and it's it's well rooted here so in terms of culture no one's going to tell you what to do and and to have unit level leaders put together non-standard training opportunities to allow our airmen to grow in areas that they don't typically grow right especially from a flying perspective is the you know, and I actually very proud. I'm assuming it's very similar in the in uh, at the 102nd, right? We we all felt this. It was a checklist-driven, you know, operation. And what's next, boss? And I, I think I think that is well rooted to to change. And and then how we deal with it when we're we have a um, you know, an incident, right? So it's important that we we know how to recover um, if we you know if we empower those airmen to make decisions and and it doesn't go well how we handle that is just as important as empowering them. So that culture is uh, still developing a little bit, but I think it's, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. I, I remarked on it the other day that I am 100% hopeful and comfortable on whatever next I need to go, whether that fight off, fade off into the sunset or do something else. Uh, I'm very, very excited to see the next core just, just grab the ball and run. Uh, and, and that's just a direct uh, response of, of really pushing uh, them, the opportunities to make those decisions uh, independent of, uh, you know, a very specific direction. Over. Great. Chief Sullivan. Oh, culture, huh? Well, I consider myself a professional warrior um, just by the virtue of having been in so many branches of the service and AFSCs and officers enlisted and every other bloody thing. So I studied the warrior code. I started the study the warrior creed. And here is the one thing that resonates to me more than anything, that cultures of warriors change. Um, The culture of the Roman legions is very, very different than the culture of the modern day airmen. But the quintessence, the core, 
the what you are and the value you have never changes among professional warriors. So although our cultures have changed in the different branches of the service, and although the culture of the airmen has changed over the 15 years that I've been an airman, the quintessence, the core of what you are has never changed. And that will always bind us because in the United States military, we know that we are empowered leaders. We know what we, we know what our capabilities are. We know what we are at our essence. So culture will always change. The culture will be different 10 years from now, um, you know, than it is now, 10 years after that, 30 years after that. Culture is always going to change. But the quintessence of what a warrior is never will. So as long as we embrace the fact that we are professional warriors, we will always have the bond. We will always succeed. And culture is culture. Uh, I am just as proud and impressed with what we have now for our airmen as I was with the Marines I first served with in 1982 when I went to boot camp. Um, because the quintessence, what, what it is that makes us warriors, no matter what branch of the service, is still the same for the United States military. Awesome. Awesome. So we've got just about five minutes remaining on the clock. So I want to provide each of you an opportunity for uh, any final words or anything uh, we, we uh, didn't get to. Uh, Chief Earl. I would just like to echo something that uh, Chief Jeffers said. Uh, as I reach kind of the twilight of my career, I know I have a, you know, a little over a year left, so it's, I'm not done yet. But as I get to that point and I look around and I've, you know, the people that I work with and, the, and the, uh, the people around me and the people coming up behind me, I know that I can retire and I'm going to, with a smile on my face and know that this organization is going to run fantastically, continue to uh, function well, you know, with, as, as I leave. Right. The people, uh, the people coming up behind me, our young airmen are all incredible. Uh, I'm awed by their, uh, their efforts and their intelligence and the way that they get the mission done. And uh, so I think that there's a really bright future for the 102nd. And uh, I'm happy, uh, you know, I'm in a really happy place because of that. And I think a lot of that is because we're they see that we're investing in them. Right. And we're empowering them. And uh, I want to just, you know, I hope that's like part of my legacy is to help shape that uh, that core. Absolutely. Chief Jeffers. Absolutely. Uh, hey, I'll, I guess I'll just, uh, for your audience members that aren't going to time, um, I guess uh, my final thoughts are it's a really exciting time to serve in our Air Force. I just uh, wish these moments were, were earlier, uh, but I think we've got tremendous Air Force leadership that, that is steering us in a, in a terrific direction and giving us some tools uh, and now it's on all of us to uh, do something with it. Uh, I've never seen uh, a CSAF uh, with very specific directions like this, and it's uh, very exciting. And I know the change can be turbulent and confusing, but uh, uh, come talk to us. We'll uh, we'll help translate it for you. Over. Fantastic, Chief Sullivan. Yeah, I just want to close with a with a thank you. Is um, really getting close to the end of my days. I just wanted to say thank you to. Every airman, every warrior out there, no matter what branch of the service, I have no special talents other than a passion for the people that I've had the opportunity to serve with. You've all made me better, and I thank you for the impact that you've all had in my life. From the A1C that I worked out with a couple of weeks ago at the 102nd, we were talking about uh, the best way to do bench presses, and you gave me some advices after 50 years of training that I didn't even realize. Thank you. 
all the way up to my two teammates here on the call, uh, Chief Jeffers and Chief Hurl. You've made me a better human being, and I appreciate you. And I appreciate everybody that listens and everybody that serves. Thank you. Well, what a great way to close out this episode of Chevrons. Uh, I want to thank the three chiefs for uh, coming on the program today. And uh, hopefully uh, everyone in the audience uh, got something out of this. I think it was a a great episode. Um, Thank you, uh, Chief Hurl, uh, Chief Jeffers, Chief Sullivan. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. And that's a wrap.